This message comes from NPR sponsor FX, presenting Clipped, the story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Are you one of the forever renters? More than a third of people in the United States rent instead of own their home. That's according to the census. The number is even higher for people of color. But the number of people who say they'll never buy is rising and fast. One in four millennials say forget about buying a house forever. And the Wall Street Journal says that even high income earners are starting to choose renting over buying that first house. So renting does come with freedom, but also some problems. Absent landlords, bait-and-switch apartments, figuring out whether hanging that heavy mirror on the wall is worth the headache later. I just had this problem, actually. Tore the, tore the paint right off the inside of the closet. Well, thanks, Sawdust, for Mercury Stardust, a professional home maintenance technician and the social media star known as the Trans Handyman. On TikTok, she helps her 2.5 million followers through all the DIY tasks of rental repairs, how to make an apartment a home. And if you're not on TikTok, you're still in luck because Mercury is out with the new book, Safe and Sound, A Renter-Friendly Guide to Home Repair. And even if you don't rent, Mercury says, DIY home repair is intersectional. Mercury joins us after the break to talk about her book and share tips and tricks for making your rental feel like home. I'm Todd Zwillick in for Jen White. You're listening to the 1A Podcast, where we get to the heart of the story. Stay with us. We've got a lot to share. This message comes from NPR sponsor Progressive. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit their website to get a quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, and their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. Then, just choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from Amgen, a biotechnology pioneer leading the fight against the world's toughest diseases such as cancer, heart disease, asthma, and osteoporosis. In a new era of human health, Amgen continues to accelerate the pace of change, operating sustainably and drawing upon deep knowledge of science to push beyond what's known today. With each decade, they reliably deliver powerful new therapies to patients. Learn more at Amgen.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor FX, presenting Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Mercury, welcome to 1A. Hey there, hi. Thank you for having me. Great to have you. And uh, Mercury, uh, why renters, Handy Ma'am? All those home improvement shows, they seem to think that homeowners are where the effort and, frankly, the money are. Um, you've, you've taken on a different project here. Yeah, I mean, you kind of answer your own question there. I, because we focus so much on homeownership, we're actually missing the mark for a whole lot of people in this country. When I proposed the idea for a book, 
They told me why. And my answer was, is there any other book like this? <laughs> you have 36% of Americans right now currently are renting. And that's a whole lot of people who need help. And I firmly believe, as someone who's worked in property management for the last 17 years, that if you help renters, you're also helping homeowners. But if you help homeowners, you don't always help renters. And I think that is the intersectional of it all. <laughs> So 17 years in property management yourself, is that how you delved into home repair? Was that the, was that the nexus? Yeah. I mean, that was basically a part of it. I, I did a lot of independent contracting. I was a building technician for a large company here in tropical Madison, Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> and I just basically got my, my in through the back door. I just did a lot of work that no one else wanted to do. And because of that, you learn a lot along the way. So we asked listeners, if you rent, how do you make your own space feel more like your own? We got lots of replies. One member of the 1A text club writes to say, I always did. I repaired, I painted, built bookshelves and closets, organizers, installed ceiling fans and timed thermostats to make it better for the next one. Unfortunately, some apartment owners will charge to add a screen door and then take it off if the person leaves. And um, Mercury, I mean, this this writer gets to something pretty important. People want to make improvements, but they say, not only do I not own these improvements, but I might get in trouble. I might get dinged. What if the owner comes in and, and, and hates it? I mean, that is the, the biggest problem that we hear over and over and over again, right? But I think that a lot of this goes to talking directly to landlords. I want landlords to hear this. People care about the property. If you empower them and you make them feel safe in their own home, they're going to be, in return, better tenants to you. If you treat them like they're just a whole bunch of numbers and they're about clocking in and clocking out, <laughs> then that's not going to necessarily be a tenant that is going to care about the property as much as you want them to. So invest in them. I always tell landlords one of the smartest things you can do is invest in pitcher rails. Pitcher rails are an old-fashioned thing that went away through time, but because of pitcher rails, you don't need to make a hole in the wall. If you don't want your tenants to make a hole in the wall, you need to be um, smart about it. People are going to want to decorate their homes. They're going to want, want to make their homes feel good about it. So meet them where they're at instead of putting them into a box and saying, this is where you have to exist. Now, you, you said picture rail? Tell me what yeah. that is. How does a it work? A picture rail is something that was really common in the West Coast about 100 years ago. A picture rail is a small, almost like um, a, uh, kind of like a trim-like thing that hangs about 8 to 10 feet off the, uh, from the floor. And it has grooves on top of it. And you can hang chain from those grooves. And it, you can hang pictures from a chain and um, a whole bunch of other things like that. It's a really common thing you might still see in San Francisco. You might see in places where it's common to have earthquakes because they were kind of anti-earthquake. You know, <laughs> uh, Things might shake, but they're just going to move back and forth. They're not going to fall. So that is one of my favorite solutions. A lot of landlords will have things in the lease saying you can't put a hole in the wall. Trust me when I say a tenant's going to hang something, whether you like it or not. And either they're going to hang it with a command strip, which is my living nightmare, <laughs> or you can hang it with a nail in the wall or a pitcher rail. You pick your options. <laughs> they're going to do it regardless if you say they should or not. So what, what kind of communication should renters be having with the landlord on this? I mean, a good philosophy of life, in my opinion, and a lot of people agree, I guess, is, is ask forgiveness, not permission. Does that apply when it comes to DIY home repair and the, the renter 
owner relationship? Is it just sort of have at it and they'll probably like it and it'll be okay in the end? Or is is permission better in your world? Every single one of these things is going to be dependent on the landlord itself and the laws in which you are existing in your state or your county, right? Because some laws are a lot more renter friendly and, and some are not. And if you do things without the landlord's permission, you might be walking into some very not so safe ground, right? But in my line of work, that's how I lived by it. You live by, you just do the stuff and you ask for forgiveness and you, you don't ask for permission kind of thing. <laughs> but I do want to advise it, you know, the, to be smart about it. Know what your landlord wants, you, what your landlord's kind of boundaries are and try to talk to them before a problem arises. A lot of things I talk about in the book are repairs. There's things that a landlord does isn't, isn't going to show up for anyways, you know? We can talk a lot about home upgrades. Those are always fun. But I deal so much with clogs and broken things and things that a landlord, honestly, you're saving them money rather than costing them money. And landlords typically would turn a blind eye if you're the one trying to get the ugly clog out of the drain. <laughs> mm. And they're probably going to love it. I mean, not only saving them money, but saving them heartache and time. I mean, they'll be thrilled to learn that there was a clog in the drain and you just went ahead and fixed it. They'll be thrilled to frankly never learn about it. Well, they'll be thrilled if you did it right. <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point, which is yeah. why you're here to do not only do it, but do it right. And that brings me to an important question. I mean, you have DIY guides to lots of things that you would think a lot of renters wouldn't want to do themselves Wall repairs, fixing toilets and sinks, even leaks and clogs. Leaks especially would be potentially daunting for a lot of renters. I think it was for me when I was a renter. Are there repairs that you would suggest not attempting to get into, even if you've got confidence? Yeah, you stay away from those ovens. Stay away from appliances. It's so smart to make sure that we're not trying to take apart something that might have a warranty on it and would have cost the apartment complex nothing. Uh, but now it's going to cost them a lot because you you tore it open and you lost the warranty. Now they're going to charge you for that. So and also these are dangerous. I mean, ovens, if you haven't worked on them before, can be a dangerous thing. Working on refrigerators before, if you haven't done any of that work, can be dangerous. The things that we put in the book, we try to make it abundantly clear that the things that we put in the book are like vacuuming the back behind a refrigerator. That's the safe thing to do, right? That shouldn't cost you any you know stress when you're doing it. But if we're doing some of those bigger appliances and we're trying to take apart a condenser, well, that's that's a little bit tougher. <laughs> All right. Stand by. We're going to take a quick pause. When we come back, Mercury, I have some questions of my own. So we'll be back with more in just a moment. This message comes from NPR sponsor REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing. Visit your local REI co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways to opt outside. This message comes from NPR sponsor Bluehost. Try Bluehost Cloud, the hosting plan made for WordPress creators by WordPress experts. With 100% uptime, fast load times, and 24-7 support, your sites can handle high traffic spikes. Visit Bluehost.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Integrative Therapeutics. With vitamins and supplements previously available only through practitioners, including Cortisol Manager. 
Unlock your best self with clinician-curated supplements from Integrative Therapeutics, now on Amazon. In any great story, there's a moment that sparks your curiosity, tells you there is more to uncover. How, how did this happen? How did we get here? That's where Embedded comes in. We are NPR's home for documentary journalism, immersive and intimate stories. I was stone-cold speechless. Nothing will ever, 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 ever be the same here. Find Embedded wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get back to the conversation now with this message that we got from a member of the 1A Text Club. I follow Mercury on TikTok, and she is amazing. My family and I rent our home, and we try to use things like peel-and-stick wallpaper and removable hooks to customize our space. So, Mercury, 2.5 million followers on TikTok. Um, That's a lot for somebody who's a home repair expert. I mean, how did this all start to get to where it is now yeah i mean i don't want to leave my instagram followers out either i'm at eight, on instagram oh excuse <laughs> me lot... i didn't mean to cut you off at 2.5 no. million no it's okay <laughs> a lot of moms would be very mad at you <laughs> but all of that being said i mean it's not just a lot for a diy person it's a lot for a trans person on the internet too yeah i mean when you're a trans person kind of weighing into this field um, of DIY, there's a lot of masculinity. There's a lot of t- um, people who believe you should look a certain way, you should be a certain way, you should talk a certain way, and you should do things a certain way. And I don't abide by any of that. I, I really do abide by the ideology that you're all worth the time it takes to learn a new skill. And all I did was answer one question on the internet one time after I broke a porcelain toilet. <laughs> I broke a porcelain toilet and I was covered in someone else's poop. <laughs> And I was having a bad day. And I saw someone uh, ask a question on the internet about how to use a ratchet strap. And I typically would answer questions when I was not feeling so good because it would make me feel a little bit better. Helping people was always fun. So I answered a question for somebody, and that was seen by 800,000 people by the end of the night. And all of a sudden, I had 20,000 followers. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm supposed to help people more now. I just kept answering questions over and over again. And within three months, I had a million followers. And within five months, this was my full-time job. And I was doing this every day. And now I call myself a virtual maintenance technician. Well, we got this email from Lane in Wisconsin. Also, you're from Wisconsin, Mercury, right? Sounds like Uh, you. Yeah, I'm from tropical Madison, Wisconsin. Tropical (laughs) Madison, Wisconsin. And I can hear it in that accent, too, of course. So so Lane from Wisconsin, maybe from your neighborhood, says, I'm filled with gratitude for Mercury and all she's been doing. The hardware store seems less daunting. Projects seem more accessible. And I'm more confident because of the information that Mercury has shared. I wish I had all of this information when I was a young renter. And we got this from a 1A text club member who writes, I'm a lesbian, leaning on non-binary. I live in the South. Ma'am and sir are used everywhere. I also work in a male-dominated career, and I love being called ma'am because I know the men that work with me are respecting me as their boss. Is that a similar dynamic to what goes on in the world of home repair, home maintenance? Certainly, certainly male-dominated. Yeah, it can absolutely feel that way a lot of the times. I think sometimes people will see me and automatically make an assumption about me. 
but they don't know anything that I did prior. You know, I love proving people wrong. <laughs> I love it. I love having the opportunity to make someone who's, you know, probably talking down to me or being a little bit rude and making them just eat their words in real time. It's pretty great. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very fortunate <laughs> yeah. and lucky. Uh, my dad taught me very early on that you had to kind of, you know, do the work first and then have folks kind of make an opinion on you later. Uh, and so it didn't bother me now when people started having a bad opinion about me because I know I was going to impress them when I showed up and did the job. So let's get into a little bit of advice. We've been getting a lot of questions. Let's get into some of the practicalities, Mercury, while we have you here. Um, just in terms of getting started, a lot of people are intimidated by using tools, especially a power tool if it's not something that they grew up with or they're used to handling. How do you suggest people get started in the DIY mindset at the beginning? Absolutely. I think people look at power tools and this the noise alone will make you scared. <laughs> I think it's important to understand that there's different kinds of power tools. There's corded power tools that tend to have a lot more power attached to them. And then there's power tools that have a 12-volt, 20-volt, 18-volt, 24-volt. All these numbers might not mean anything to you. The only thing you got to remember is 12-volt. If you can use a 12-volt drill, you're going to be fine. It's, it's a great entry-level power tool of all kinds. My favorite is the Milwaukee 12-volt um, tools. They're really nice, and they're small in your hands. So if you got smaller hands or you might not be as strong as some other people, they're a great way to get a lot of these jobs done without being overly scary. They don't have nearly as much power as a lot of these other ones, and they're pretty affordable when you think about it all, all together. Also, there is a great 12-volt um, Black & Decker drill, it's a great for renters. It's like 40 or 50 bucks. That is so affordable when we're talking about these drills. It isn't something that I would use as a professional. But if you're someone in a, in a home and you just need a drill every once in a while when you're doing something, boy, is that a wonderful way to start, you know? And you can even get them in kits, the drill with the bits, with some of the other yes. basic, a couple of two Phillips heads and two flatheads and just, just the stuff you're going to need around the apartment or the house. Yeah, I always tell people, if you're trying to think about this long term, I always try to buy tools individually and not in kits. But if you are like a, you're not really quite sure and it's just overwhelming, a kit can be a really good answer sometimes. It's, you know, there in my opinion, there is no wrong answer when it comes to this. The only thing you should be aware about is that if you buy cheap tools, you're going to get cheap results. And what that means, if you buy a cheaper tool and you use it, it might be something that's made out of zinc or, you know, a, a lower grade metal that's going to maybe break or be brittle and then damage the screws or damage the nuts you're working on and make your job even harder. So better quality tools are going to treat the hardware you're working on a lot better. And I think that is something to keep in mind when we are talking about tools and the investment of getting your own tools. Well, you talk a lot about scoping out a space. You're shopping for that rental space. That you're going to move in before the repairs start. You give a lot of tips about what to look for in terms of safety and space. What's some of your advice when you're, when you're touring that apartment or that house that you might rent? We should always be working, looking for the entries and the exits of every single home. If there is multiple doors to get in and out, if there's windows that people could climb into or people could climb out of, if there is a tree that's nearby and you're in a second story building, you should be uh, mindful if you can climb that tree and get in. 
if there's a balcony that's a little bit low, but someone who's pretty athletic could jump and grab the balcony, be aware of those things. If you're next to a parking lot, be aware that you might have lights go through your windows, right? Uh, you might need to have blackout curtains if that's the case. And if that happens, the landlord should be responsible for it, and they should be the ones providing the blackout curtains, in my opinion. And those are things to kind of be mindful of itself. If you are in a well-lit area, if you had a street light by your window or not, all those things you want to be mindful. You should be thinking about the worst case scenario whenever you are touring uh, event, uh, an apartment because you never know what could happen. And that brings me to the question of, of red flags, just the ones that where you back out. Oh, yeah. If you see if, if you go into the space. And you go to, let's just say, an in-window air conditioner or in-wall air conditioner. And the filter ain't clean. Uh, that's probably a red flag right out of the gate. If you have um, switches and outlet covers that are painted over, that's a, that's, a, that's a red flag as well. You might have a landlord who just, you know, believes in what's called a landlord special. <laughs> you know, paint <laughs> over it and maybe no one will see it. Uh, and sometimes we can't avoid those places. I, I want to be mindful and kind to the people who are living in those spaces because sometimes because of the way the world is and our paychecks, we're not able to get the homes we want. So sometimes we have to live somewhere where we see these red flags. But if you can avoid it, try to. And I like to trust like like medium-sized apartment complexes, really big ones might have too many uh, units compared to a few technicians, which means things aren't going to get done effectively enough. An independent landlord sometimes can be really great, but they might drag their feet even worse than other ones too because it's just one person and they have a lot of things going on. They might not have the infrastructure to take care of all our jobs. One listener writes to say, I hang pictures with the tiniest nails possible to guarantee the return of my security deposit. Holes in the wall are are a big theme here, Mercury, and I know you know that because we started with the, uh, with the picture rails. Another person writes to say, I always need the IKEA wall hanging toolkit, which allows you to hang heavy things without putting noticeable holes in the wall. I always have several kinds of 3M strips, especially the heavy-duty ones. Uh, Mercury, I don't know if you're a fan of the strips, the adhesive strips. I am not. Yeah. I will say this. A lot, people give me a hard, hard time on this all the time. I'm, if you are not able to put holes in a wall, a 3M strip is fine. I'm more mad at your landlord for saying you have to put a hole in the wall than I am at you. <laughs> it's not that big of a deal, honestly. A, a, a small hole in the wall. Here's one thing that I learned. I used to think a hole in the wall was the biggest deal. A thumb, a, a dab of plaster repair on your thumb, you fill it in, you sand it for two seconds and paint it. It's not a big deal. You're 100% right. You're, that's exactly how easy that is. What's way harder to fix is when you strip the paint off the wall or right. you strip the, the paper of the drywall. And that's so easy to do with one of those command strips. I always tell people in, in an ideal condition, if you don't have a whole lot of humidity in like a living room or a bedroom, a command strip is probably fine. But if you use a command strip in a bathroom or a kitchen, you got to be mindful how hot the space gets. That adhesive is going to melt right into that um, paint and that drywall. And no matter how well you try to take it off the wall or how you try to follow all the instructions, there's a very good chance that it's just adhered to it. And when you take it off, you are going to rip it no matter what you do. Gonna... So be mindful of where you put it. Never put it in a bathroom or a kitchen if you can avoid it. Mm. All that moisture, it's going to 
take the paint right off the wall. Let's take a quick pause here. When we return, we'll get into painting, talk about garbage disposals. So stick with us. We'll be back with more in just a moment. This message comes from NPR sponsor Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Made in Cookware. Did you know that many popular dishes in Tom Colicchio's craft restaurant are made in Made in Cookware? Made in supplies chefs with high-end cookware because Made in makes exactly what demanding chefs look for. When you level up your cooking, remember what great dishes on menus worldwide have in common. They're Made in Maiden. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from the 18th until the 27th. Visit MadeInCookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N Cookware.com. All right, Mercury host prerogative here. I have a question. Um, I was doing a painting job over the summer trying to get a space painted. I'm, I'm, I'm a novice at painting. And the first room that I painted was a little bit of a disaster. I did get better, but the joint between the wall and the ceiling, you want to get that painted without getting paint all over the ceiling. So what you wind up with is a line. I had this line at the top of the wall that just, it was all the same paint, but you could tell that there was a guy on top of a ladder drawing a line and it didn't blend with the rest of the wall. Very unhappy. It kind of looked like garbage. I was a little ashamed. I got better. But what about that? What's the best method for for doing that blend and getting it up to the top of the wall when you're painting without getting it all over the ceiling? Did you use painter's tape at all on the top of the ceiling? I, I had it taped, but then when you have the roller, you can't go to the top because the roller oh, is round. So you, you use the flat applicator and then you get the yeah. line. Yeah. Okay. So you used a flat – you didn't use a paintbrush. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean – Okay. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So – my biggest my biggest thing I'll tell people is that if it's something that's supposed to make your life easier, trust me, it will not make yeah. your life easier. You you, you got to keep it simple. Every, every every single there are so many people who are just sharks in the water here, Todd, who really just want to take advantage of your lack of trust in yourself, mm. right? You look at a paintbrush and you look at a, a paint roller and you think, "Man, I'm not going to be good enough with those on its own." I got to go and get all these other fancy invention thingies that are going to make my job a lot easier. And guess what? They don't. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, you can do. Oh, go ahead. Well, Dad. I mean, this was just this was the flat kind of trowel paint yes. applicator. It's the flat thing. It's supposed to be for these 90 degree surfaces. Uh, I'm sure that I didn't use it right. I mean, that's I don't think that it only. Was, yeah. Go ahead. That only works good, though, is if the ceiling itself is flat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you got drywall mud, you got bumps, you got grooves. There's no way that's going to work. And the space you know, is the 100 years old, so the wall wasn't even even. So you can't even what, roll it flat. What you want to do is get a paintbrush. And if you don't trust the big ones, get yourself something called a shortcut paintbrush. They're little um, stubbies. They're, they're short. But you put it in a paint and you just... You push all the bristles down in there, and you get the paint up inside of the paintbrush. Hmm. Now, wipe off one side of the paintbrush, 
and then keep the other side all full and covered of paint. And you push it up into the corners of that of that ceiling that meets the wall, and you just go nice and slow. And as you are sh- like pulling the paintbrush across from the wall, that paint that's inside of the paintbrush is now going to come out and just smooth on a wall nice and slow. Oh. And that, you trust the brush bristles. The bristles are going to do you a lot better than some some fancy-pantsy thing that's supposed to make your life a lot easier. Man, do I wish I was on your TikTok before. I mean, I am now, but I wish I was before <laughs> I started this project. It, I, I have to say, and this is a lesson also, the first room was garbage. I did get a lot better as I went. There was more than one room in the project, and I and I did figure it out. Not as elegantly as you just described. It took way more time than it needed to. But it did start to look better. Like, you do get better. You do improve by doing. Yeah, it's trial and error. I think sometimes people think about this as, oh, I got to get it right the first time. Trust me when I say, I never got it right the first time. (laughs) (laughs) You're best off just to try it. And if it works, wow, look at that. And if it doesn't, guess what? You get to do it all over again. And do it over and over again until you feel comfortable enough with it. You are the best judge and jury in that moment when it comes to these DIY projects. And nobody is going to, unless you're doing this for a living, no one's going to get mad at you and fire you on the job. You have the luxury (laughs) of trying it over and over again and getting it the way you want. Only had myself to impress, which I didn't do at first and then got a little bit better. Let's turn to this message that we got from one of you. This is Dick Stoner in Rockville. I'm a professional landlord representative. The biggest issue I see uh, regularly are tenants who decide something is wrong with their property and it needs immediate attention when it's really not something that the landlord considers um, important or even part of its maintenance plan. So the um, the tenant says they have a non-responsive landlord, whereas the landlord has a schedule for certain plumbing, for certain electrical checks and roof and gutters and things like that. Well, there's one landlord representative, Mercury, who's really talking about landlord workflow and landlord convenience. Important, not necessarily what's most important to us today, but I think it speaks to yeah, I mean, it speaks to the to the use of being able to do that thing yourself. This is actually a really important question. And the reason why I think it's really important, Todd, is actually gets into the meat and potatoes of the relationship between a tenant and a landlord. If you hear the way that he spoke, right, it's about the plan that he has in place, right, about his budget and the things that he wants to do. And all of that stuff is very good. I understand why, as a technician, why he would feel that way, right? That's important. If you talk to a tenant, you know what they're going to say? They're going to say function. They're going to say feel. They're going to say things that are counterintuitive to what he is saying. And I, this is what landlords, I, I, I wish they would listen to me and, and, and just hear me out. And you might be mad at me when I say this, but... We, as people who are having the positions of power in this relationship, landlords have a position of power. And we, no matter what we do as landlords and technicians, we get the final say on this. And that can be disheartening when you're the one paying rent and living in that space. Here's the thing. Landlords probably don't know that the back door that you've been living with that's a little bit creaky has been driving you nuts for the last three months. Landlords don't live there. They probably haven't lived in that space either ever or for a really long time. They don't know the space like you do. There's an invested interest the tenant has in that space. 
So I think landlords need to listen and start a conversation before the but before something goes wrong, right? Listen to why the tenant feels that way instead of what the tenant is actually asking, right? Mm. If they're feeling that way, it's probably because they feel like it's hard to talk to you and they have to just bug you and bug you over and over again to get any response. Sometimes people just want to be heard. Mm. And that better relationship can also lead to better repairs, better advice, less headaches for you landlords or for the guys who uh, the guys and gals who represent you at the property. Well, we've been hearing from a lot of you in the 1A text club. One of you says, "I'd like to know how to soundproof an apartment. For example, reduce noise from outside traffic. I can't replace the windows, but maybe Mercury has some economical suggestions for soundproofing materials and fabrics I can use." This is such a good question, and you don't need to put anything in the wall if you don't need to, right? It's all about getting a lot of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) You know, wherever the noise is coming from, right, um, that's when you put, like, a a lot of furniture against there, right? You got to dampen it. The harder and thicker it has to go through the wall, the the, the less noise you're going to get. And what I mean by that is if you got a dresser, you put it against a wall. If you got um, cabinets that are movable or anything that's on wheels, you put it against the wall. Anything like that will help kind of make it a little bit easier for you to handle. If you do have a lot of excess blankets, you hang in blankets on a wall, that's also good. Anything that you can do to just make it a little bit better. At the end of the day, there you're not going to be able to solve the problem completely from just what you have as a, ten- as, a as a tenant or as a resident in an apartment. But you can at least do it a little bit here and there. Maybe even uh, putting sealant around the edges of the the window and things like that. Make sure there's no cracks that are getting through as well. Yeah, as, as a radio person, I can second that. You can't always stop noise from the outside. But as a radio person, we don't want the sound bouncing around on the inside when you're trying to work. You're trying to record something. So carpets, um, things on the floor blankets, wall hangings do an enormous amount to cut down on the bounce. And the bounce can be what really gets into your head once the once the noise is in your apartment. Well, another person writes, I'm trying hard not to lose my security deposit and landlords are looking for any reason to take it. My current lease will dock even for a paint piece of paint chipped from a tape up of posters. I'd appreciate any tips on how to feel more at home while keeping my security deposit. You know, I think this is all about when we first move in. When you first move in, take a picture of exactly of what you're supposed to be looking for. We all get those checklists, right? You're supposed to check this. You're supposed to check that. You're supposed to make sure this is all good. I lean on the side of thinking something is bad <laughs> rather than something is good, right? Um, this is where we get really good at getting nitpicky. You want to be really nitpicky when you first move in because that all makes your life a lot easier when you're moving out. You want to really think about the things that are normal wear and tear. And you should never get charged for normal wear and tear, right? Mm-hmm. And that can be hard for us to conduce. But when you're talking about like a little bit chip here and there, I really do think that if that's in your lease when you're first moving in, that's another red flag. Mm-hmm. You want to be mindful of what your lease says that you're responsible for when you move out. And if they use the language like, you know, you're going to get charged 50 bucks for every hole in the wall boy, is that just a, a lord of a um, bull. I, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of that. So that be mindful be, before you sign the lease on that. And that but, might be one of the big red flags. Well, speaking of reviewing the lease and not getting dinged for every little thing, you have a section in your book about renter's rights. And what would you encourage people to do 
if they do end up in a situation where they feel they've been treated unfairly or even illegally. Document everything. Take photos, take videos, write down everything. If you have a private conversation with your landlord, your technician, or a property management, you have to make sure that you follow up in the email. Never trust their word. It's not because I think innately they're a bad person, but it's because things get lost sometimes. And if you ever need to go to court for whatever single reason, you need to have documentation. And also, sometimes it's good just to be able to show them what they said. So document, document, document. Okay, I promised we would talk about garbage disposals. So many renters, this is like the Rubicon. The garbage disposal is loud and scary and expensive and weird. And when you're a renter, it's like a monster in a cave. What do people need to know about the garbage disposal when they can try to fix it and when they need to just simply call the plumber? It's one of the easiest things to fix, and I was called for it more than anything else. And the thing you want to do is go underneath your garbage disposal and unplug it first and foremost. And then there's going to be a hole in the middle of your garbage disposal underneath. And that little hole, all you need is a quarter inch Allen key. And you turn that left and right. And you turn that left and right, you're dislodging what is ever stuck in there. And then there is something. I call it like a little reset button. It's usually red underneath there. You push that back in. And then you should look above and make sure there's nothing left in there with a flashlight. And then if everything is good, then you're able to plug it back in and see if it works. And there you go. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. (laughs) They say also if your garbage disposal is stinky, you just pack it with ice and run it till all the ice is gone. Do you sign up for that? Do not pack it, though. This is one of those controversial ones I like a lot. I... Never, ever run your garbage disposal dry. You got to put. make sure you run water and then turn it on. And then you put ice and lemons and those kind of things in there. Let it run while you put stuff in there rather than just shoving it in there and then turning it on. Think of it as like you that um, garbage disposal is trying to eat and trying to mm. chew. If you shove a whole lot of stuff in your mouth and you're trying to chew, that's a lot harder than when you're just trying to take a bite at a time. <laughs> Treat it like you're trying to like like you're you're eating a good meal, okay? Okay. <laughs> well, so many of you are losing your minds over Mercury Stardust, professional home maintenance technician and activist, the trans handyman on TikTok and author of Safe and Sound, a renter-friendly guide to home repair. Today's producer was Michelle Harvin. This program comes to you from WAMU part of American University in Washington. It's distributed by NPR. I'm Todd Zwillick in for Jen White. We'll talk more soon. This is 1A. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Progressive Insurance, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Get your quote at Progressive.com and see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Mattress Firm. Sleep hot. Mattress Firm's sleep experts can match you with a cooling mattress from the Temper Breeze Collection from Tempur-Pedic, so you can experience measurably cooler sleep all night. Get matched at Mattress Firm's Memorial Day Sale. Sleep at night. 
Humans are kind of overrated. Over on Shortwave, a science podcast, we're only kind of kidding. We're bringing you the wondrous world of animal science to your daily life. From queer animal love stories to songbird memories, we're showing you how critter knowledge informs human science. Listen now to Shortwave, a podcast from NPR.